before I begin to speak and preach a little bit, maybe do more teaching than preaching, I want to say thank you to the LaRue family. Uh, I met them years ago when I first got into the church, and they treated me like a son. They treated me so well. Every time I see them out, they are so, so kind to me. And that means, that means the world to uh, uh, just a guy who came from nothing coming into the church and a, and a family like this would always be so loving and, loving and kindful to me. <clears throat> I want to say thank you to my beautiful fiance. Oh, I love you. <laughs> she, she is awesome. She is awesome. I'm humbled to be here. Uh, I give honor to my pastor, Daryl Runyon, uh, to my church family. I know that they're praying for me. They've been praying for me. They need to pray for me. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to start off. I'm going to come down here and I'll jump up here and get my notes here in a minute. But I feel more comfortable when I'm closer to people than when I'm further away. I want to start off uh, kind of like I did yesterday, talking about my testimony. I've been in church since 2006, but 2006 was kind of like the runway. And that's kind of what I'm going to do tonight is kind of like an airplane. I'm going to hit this runway, kind of take off kind of slow, and maybe we'll hit a peak and try to land this day. <laughs> so um, I came into the church in 2006. I was, <clears throat> wasn't raised in church at all. My grandma was Catholic. My mom went to every Baptist church this side of Mississippi. <laughs> so I was, I was kind of like Heinz 57. I just went, went wherever they took me. I was born in Germany. I was raised pretty much in Arkansas, but my grandpa was military. That was the reason why I was born in Germany. Uh, so I, I spent some time in Louisiana. Come here to Arkansas, I think when I was four or five. Went to school in Wynn. Came to Jonesboro. <clears throat> As a teenager, of course, probably like every other teenager, I got in some trouble. I was rowdy. Uh, in and out of jail. Uh, it was just my mom raising me and my grandma on the weekends. So keep in mind, I, I knew nothing about Salt Church. I knew nothing of church doctrine. The only thing that I knew was I knew there was a guy named Jesus. You know? So that's pretty much that's pretty much what I knew. Um, I found myself in and out of jail as a teenager. I was in jail 13 times before I was 18 years old. <coughs> and, you know, it's one thing for me to sit here and tell you about it, but when it's you, it's different. You know, um, I only have a couple hours to tell you the story, but, uh, <laughs> you know, there were some, some, some rough nights in jail. When, when you're just a scrawny, you know, I wasn't 270 pounds like I am now. I was about 110 pounds. And uh, it was just me in there locked up with a bunch of meanies. Um, when, I, when, I, when I turned uh, maybe 16, 17, because I was getting beat up all the time, I said, I'm done with this. I'm going to learn how to box. So I started taking some boxing lessons. Well, if you go to Jonesboro, everybody in Jonesboro knows me because that was my lifestyle. Uh, I was a boxer over there. I did some fighting over there. That's why my, I'm not deformed. That's why my ears look like this. These are called cauliflower ears. That's from years of fighting. Um, so I started doing that when I was 18. Keep in mind, I'm still not in the church, anything to do with that. But when I was 18, I caught a charge. <coughs> I, uh, I, got, I got arrested. I got into it with two brothers who I'm actually friends with now, good friends with. They even came to our Messiah play. Uh, and uh, so I caught a charge it's a felony charge they put me in what's called M3 felony side in Jonesboro I'm not a felon the charges were dropped on that uh, everybody's in the room brought a felon in here uh, no I uh, but it was it was a rough time I, I can remember my cellmate's name was a man named Terry Green his son was a friend of mine who I went to alternative school. I had to go to, I don't know, if, does anybody even know what alternative school in here is? You know what alternative school is, don't you? <laughs> alternative school is where they put you if you get kicked out of regular school. And I was kicked out of every regular school in Craig County for five years. 
I was kicked out of every alternative school in Craighead County for fire. And it's not because I was mean. I just, you know, I just like to do that. That was my hobby. People went fishing. I like to scrap. So I'm sitting in M3 felony side with a man named Terry Green. And I said, how long do you think you're going to keep me in here for, Terry? And he was in there for beating on his wife. But I was I was happy to be in there with him because he gave me his ramen noodles for commissary. <laughs> and uh, that's a big deal when you're in there. So he said, oh, you're, you're going down for a long time, Chris. You got discharged. You know, I had several charges against me. Probably five to ten years. And I said, oh, God. So I, I prayed. I said, God, you got to get me out of here. If, if you even are real. <coughs> I was basically atheist at the time. I knew nothing of God. I didn't pray to God. Well, it took about a week after I prayed that. A buddy of mine's dad came and got me out. All the charges were dropped. I actually met up with the, one of the older brother who I got into it with. And then we hugged it out friends so after about a year living with my, my friend's dad he's, he's passed away now but he, he played a big role in my life um, he said I'll tell you what Chris you come and live with me and, I, and I've roofed I've done, I've done roofing since I was 14 years old so that's the only thing I know how to do is roofing and uh, he owned the asphalt business and he liked my work ethic he said, I'll tell you what, you come stay with me, and I'll help you pay off your fines. I'll give you some uh, boundaries. You can't go out on the weekends because I knew if they turned you loose on the weekends, I'm, I'm going to get out and I'm going to get in trouble. So we did, and, and I'm going to tell you, this, this, this is how it was. This is, this is how it was living in the world. On the weekends, he'd buy me a, a case of beer, and we'd play cards and watch boxing. Cook, eat fried chicken. <laughs> sit around the table, eat fried chicken, and watch boxing. I just sit there mad because I couldn't go out. But I, I landed a big roofing job and he helped me. We paid off all my fines. And I can remember laying in a bunk bed with my friend Kevin. He's on the bottom, I'm on top, and I said, God, something's not right. I'm just going nowhere. And it was about a couple weeks after that. I uh, I got invited to go to a Pentecostal church. One oneness Pentecostal church. Well, the story is is that I knocked this girl up out of wedlock, had a baby boy. Her family's not in church at all, but wants to bring me to this Pentecostal church. Because they think I need to get my life right. So it's kind of twisted up. I'm living together unmarried. This is all going on. It, and looking back on it now, it's very foggy. It was a, it was a weird time. I, I don't know if some of y'all are like that, but when you look back on your life, there's just kind of weird instances. But whatever it was, I said, yeah, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go to this church. And the only thing I knew about Pentecostal church. These folks are weird. <laughs> They're different. They speak in this funny language. I don't know anything about it. And I'm the weirdest one now, in case you didn't know. You come to my church, they're going to tell you he's the craziest one. Um, so I'm not, I'm not hounding on y'all because I'm, I, I'm one of y'all. Okay? I'm riding the fire with you. <clears throat> it's part of it. So I got drugged to this church. Didn't want to go. I walked in the door and I knew the moment, the moment I walked in that door, it was real. I met a man named Anthony Brown. Boy, you can't even say the Browns name without getting choked up. Because he was that real. They called him that airplane saying, If he came here, people would come to watch him. I'm telling you, he was that powerful. He's a, he's a black man, real tall. Goofy, <laughs> ex-military, the sweetest, 
most loving spirit of anybody you've ever met in your life. They true. It's like you walked out of the book. I mean, it's like you walked off the pages, came up to me and loved me. I wasn't, I wasn't used to that. I wasn't used to somebody loving me. I was used to somebody punching me. <laughs> but he loved me. He loved me. And, and the pastor at that time is this, is this fireball preacher, the Bible study machine gun. I got to get you in a Bible study. And I'm still kind of like, I love this guy. Uh, I like the atmosphere here. These people are different. I was different too. You know, I never fit in with society either. So, <clears throat> I said, okay, I'll do Bible study. Well, <coughs> that was all it took was Bible study. I can still remember the first Bible study. I opened up. And my pastor at the time said, Chris, did you know that this whole Bible was all about a baseball game? <laughs> have you ever heard that, Brother Lou? Uh, actually, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I said, man, I don't like baseball. I don't know anything about baseball. He said, well, let's read Genesis 1 in the big inning. In the big inning. And I use that literally every one of my Bible studies. I start off with in the big inning. It was so funny to me. And maybe, I, I don't know why it was, but uh, so it just hit me. And then he started breaking down the word to me. And, and, I, and I talked about yesterday. It, it felt like, it feels like now, like I was, I was right there in the garden. I had spent so much time going from Genesis 1, 2, and then 2 and 3. It felt like I was right there with Adam. It's like I could see Adam when he fell. It's like I... I just spent so much time going through those first five books. I mean, I spent months, even years, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, going through all those first five books. I never even got out of them. I stayed, I jumped from this Bible study to somebody else's Bible study. Well, I, I, I got the Holy Ghost in, uh, in August the 11th, 2007. Got the Holy Ghost, got baptized in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And that, that really started some stuff. I stayed up all that night. It was like an alien experience. <laughs> you know, I, always, I tell people uh, when I'm teaching Bible studies, <coughs> and I'm not a preacher. <laughs> I may teach and preach on the streets. I'm a Bible study teacher. So please don't, don't label this as a performance. I'm just giving you my heart. Amen. I'm just telling Amen. you where I've been. Um, so... It was like an alien walked in the room or something. You know, and I tell people about this. You know, if an alien walked in this room, your life would be changed forever because you would know that there really is extraterrestrial life. <laughs> and that's the way it was when I got the Holy Ghost. I mean, it really solidified something in my spirit that said, this stuff is real. Amen. I mean, Amen. You, can't, you can't take it away. It, I was there when it happened. I guess I don't know. <laughs> you know, you can't tell me I haven't been in however many thousands of fights because my ears are turned inside out. And I got video proof of it. I was there. I know what happened. There were many witnesses. There were many witnesses when I received the Holy Ghost. Can't tell me it's not real. And, and so when somebody goes, I don't know about this. Well, you may not know what I do. So, so I, I, I continued to live for the Lord. Got two beautiful children, Grace and Hannah. And in 2009, our church went through a revival. Now, I don't know if everybody's familiar with my church. I go to the Pentecostals of Jonesboro. At the time, it was called Calvary. Okay? I'm not going to go into all the details, but I want you guys to know what happened. And, and this, is, this is open anyway. So I'm going through a revival in 2009, and my pastor <clears throat> spoke with me, and he said, Chris, stay close to me. Revivals get nasty. I had no clue what he meant. All I know is that he said, stay close to me, and revivals get nasty. Well, he didn't even know how nasty revivals can be. Um, I'm actually, I'm teaching this next Wednesday night, the survival of the revival. Because in revivals, I really didn't know until I went through a major revival. Stuff, you come under the weirdest spiritual attacks, and they last. Yes. They don't Amen. just go away. They come back and they Amen. come back and they come back and you're constantly putting on the whole armor of God. It's almost like you can't take it off. 
So we go through this long revival. 2009, we brought in a high-powered evangelist named uh, Brother Robert Tisdale. I don't know if you guys know who Robert Tisdale is. Unbelievable. I, I believe he was kicked out of Cuba by Fidel Castro for one of his revivals. I'm talking this guy. He holds revivals at the POA. He's, he's just he's a wordsmith, very intelligent guy. I still listen to him. <laughs> he's awesome. He came in for a number of weeks, and we had over 100 receive the Holy Ghost baptized, baptized in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Maybe 120, something like that. They came in at one of our, uh, one of the ladies came in during one of our plays, received the Holy Ghost, and brought, and just brought, and brought, and people were just flooding in, flooding in. That flood in of people, it came in like a wave, and it went back out. And when it went back out, it brought people out with it. It was, um, it almost took me out with it. Um, the lady who I was married to, some of the people from that, from that revival, uh, got her. There's literally one family left out of that. There was 100, say 20 or so that received the Holy Ghost, but there might have been 200 families that came in in this revival. We had to put chairs out. It was unbelievable. And so I'm, I'm, I'm married at this time. I'm starting to see the girl who I'm married to slide back. She's intermingling with these families. I'm intermingling with these families, trying to help them. Um, 2010 goes on, and I catch my wife in the act of adultery in a bar downtown Jonesboro. So I walk in at 1.30 in the morning and lose my cool, and there she is with her ex-boyfriend. I, I had to just get him. That's the only thing I could do. So I grabbed him up and pulled him in front of everybody. There's about 800 people in there. I'm getting escorted out by the, the bouncers are trying, the police are trying to get me out. And the only thing I can think of to do is, oh, I'm in trouble, I gotta call my pastor. So I call my pastor. I said, man, I messed up. You ain't gonna believe what happened. He said, Chris, don't worry about it. Go home, go to bed. So I, I just did what I was told. Going home, I went to bed. All this on my mind, the weight of everything on my mind, not knowing what's going to happen. Went home, went to bed. From 2009 to 2010, it is, it is just an obstacle after an obstacle after an obstacle. It's constant spiritual battles, battles with my own mind, battles with what's going to happen to me in the future. Uh, uh, in 2011, I get divorce papers. Um, I lose custody of my kids for a year because <clears throat> I didn't understand the, the attorneyship lingo of what was written in divorce papers. Lost my kids for a year. As if that wasn't, and I'm not trying to have a pity party. I'm just telling you this is what happened. At the same time, I lose my pastor. My pastor resigns the church. This, this flood hits my pastor, takes him out. He's forced to leave. He resigns the church, goes over to the backside of Kansas. I'm there all alone in this church, front row. He told me never leave the front row. I still sit front row. I'm there. There I am, not knowing what to do. I can't call nobody. The only friend I have is my friend Brian. And Brian's a little bit younger than me. So Brian and I just, we just do what we know to do. We bring in New Year's, watching Urban Baxter DVDs. That's how we bring in New Year's, watching Urban Baxter DVDs. End of the age. I can still, I can quote the whole end of the age because what I would do is I'd play it while I was sleeping. All 14 DVDs. Master Plan of the Dragon. Israel's God given destiny. I'm talking every single one of them. I can, I just like, I, and, and I do know Brother Baxter, that's what's the time But, uh, so, Brian and I, we just went fishing. Didn't have my kids. Lost my family. Don't know what to do. Don't have my pastor. Can't talk to my pastor. Our church is in a, in a, in a period of transition. Don't hang with me. 
Okay? This is a Sunday night crowd. We come expected to have. We're, we're here. Okay? I'm here. I didn't drive all the way here to come in and get out. I came here. To, let's, let's, let's make something happen. Yes. So, <clears throat> I'm in this time in my life where I'm not knowing what to do. I don't have anybody to talk to. And the church folks, I, I can't, I, I, don't, I didn't even want to trust my church. I didn't know if I should trust my church. I felt like there was, I felt like there was a coup against the pastor. Uh, I, I felt like there's something. This is how I feel. This is how I felt at the time. I, I don't know. I don't trust these people. My pastor's gone, and I'm, I'm mad at the, the church board. Really mad. I can't trust my church board. And then I don't know who my friends are, so my mind's playing tricks on me. I, literally, I didn't sleep for three days. I stayed three days in my bedroom praying and fasting. I, I didn't know who to trust. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I, I was more broken that my pastor wasn't there than anything. I, didn't, I, felt like, I felt like I was on a staircase with no handrails, trying to balance. It's just not knowing what to do. God, you brought me into this. <laughs> and you took, you took, I mean, how would you feel if, if, if the person who, who led you in, into something uh, and the group of people that led you into something were gone? And you don't know what's going on with them. You know, I mean, I, I, I told my friend the other day, I, I do some discipleship. But I got a couple of guys that I bring with me almost everywhere I go. And uh, one of them, I said, you know, what would you do if I backslid? I'm not planning on backslid. I said, what would you do if I backslid? You ever thought about that? If someone you put all your trust in left, left the truth, turn their back, where do you stand? Well, you got to have your own relationship. Amen. So it, it pushed, it literally pushed me into... I've always been taught Bible studies. I never, honestly, I just never really sat there and studied for myself. I'd fill out worksheets and I'd listen and I'd hear it, but I never really got into it for myself. So we started doing Bible studies. My friend Brian and I, a new pastor, was brought in. Thank God for that. Uh, that's my fiance's dad. Uh, and he's a wonderful man of God. Took me years to trust him. And, and he just let me be. He just let me trust him and show that he's a man of God. Um, so, 2013, 14, 15, after a year, I get full custody of my kid back. I both my kids back. Uh, my ex-wife got, got, got on some drugs. I went over there with some police friends of mine. Showed up unexpectedly. There was drugs in the house. That was on a, on a Tuesday. On a Wednesday, I go get an attorney. By next Monday, I got full custody of both my kids. So it just worked out perfectly. Everything's good. Well, so then I'm left, uh, 2014-15. I'm just, I'm just up and down. I'm up and down. I'm having trouble trusting. I'm in the church. I'm going to church when the doors are open. I'm, I'm just living life. I'm living the, the, the ride in the pew, the, the weekend warrior church stuff. I'm doing all that. But 2016, y'all with me? Amen. 2016, I'm starting to get, I'm starting to get close to God at this point. I, I'm, I'm, I'm praying more than normal. Um, I'm in the church and I'm, I'm woke up on a July morning at almost four o'clock and I sit up on the edge of my bed you know, you always hear people tell stories like this. This really happened, I promise. And I knew before the word came, I knew God was going to say something to me. I literally, it was like my body and my mind was getting ready to receive the word. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, your lack of commitment is leading others to their lack of repentance. And I said, what? God, is that you? Said it again, this time, very, very, very clearly. Your lack of commitment is leading others to their lack of repentance. And I just sat there and wept. I went back to sleep and I woke up the next morning. And I started praying, God, I'm available. You can use me. And the keys started turning. 
The keys started turning. I started saying prayers like, God, use me today. Put someone in my path. Put me in someone's path. Let my eyes to be open. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me walk in the spirit. And, and I mean, things started happening. 2016, that happened in July. In September, the first week of September 2016, my pastor comes to me. At this time, we're starting to be unity in our church again. He comes to me and he speaks a specific word over me. He basically prophesies over me and says that God's going to use me to be a soul winner. God's going to use me to engage in many Bible studies. And he says this long word over me. I'm, I'm excited about it. Okay, good. The next week, same word. He comes up to me in the altar and prays over me again. Says the same thing. Awesome. The third week, a man in our church by the name of Gene Hucks comes up to me. Do you know Gene Hucks, sister? Me and Gene Hucks. We're like oil and water. Oh, God bless Gene Hucks. I love Gene Hucks. I love his kids even more. He, uh, I teach his kids in our Sunday school class, and they are just absolutely wild. Um, but... Gene, Gene is a preacher from Mississippi, can preach anybody I know under the bus, but Gene is just, he's just got his ways. You're, you know anybody in the church, they got their ways, God bless them. You know, you know anybody like that? I love Gene, powerful man of God. Gene comes up to me, prays over me. The same prayer. I'm thinking pastor said something to Gene. <laughs> same prayer. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if you send Gene Hucks to pray over me, you are serious. It is real. So, so I'm starting to think something's going to happen, God. All right, let's do it. The fourth week now. Fourth week now. I've got three words in a row. Three weeks. Right after that, July, I'm thinking something's going to happen. But the fifth week, I went down to Florida to work. And my pastor sent me Jeff Arnold's number. Anybody know who Jeff Arnold is? Jeff Arnold, he's 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 the uh, what's the last batter in baseball, baseball called the cleanup. He's a cleanup batter from because of times. Like thirty years in a row, he preached the last night because of times. Okay, good preacher. My pastor sent me his number. I'm gonna connect with Brother Jeff Arnold. Go down to Gainesville. I'm gonna hang out with him. I call Brother Arnold. Oh yeah, yeah, come on down. Blah blah. blah. We we just hit it off. Become friends. And he said, "You ever heard of this guy named Victor Jackson?" I said, man, I don't know Victor Jackson. Oh, you don't know Victor Jackson? You're going to love it when you get here. I said, okay, I'll come down there. So I go down there. Victor Jackson's a big-time preacher. Evidently, I didn't know who he was. He's the real deal. I get down there, and I walk in that church. I knew God had a word. I walk in that church. Victor Jackson's message is called Transitions. And how the Lord has kept you stuck in a position. And he, and he, and he quotes a verse out of Matthew about uh, when Jesus constrained his disciples to a ship so that they would be able to pass over to the other side. And he talked about God constraining you to a location, to a place, shackling you down, keeping you there for a purpose so that when you're in the valley, you can fall because if you're on the mountaintop and you fall, you will surely die. So I'm really listening to what he has to say. It's important. It's, I know it's a word from God. He preaches this message to me. After the sermon is over, a man comes down by the name of Brother Martinez. He's a Cuban guy who's on the Arnold staff. Prays over me and prays the same prayer. That pastor and uh, Brother Gene Hux prayed. So now it's three confirmations, four confirmations. It's, it's okay, Lord, you want me to do this. How do I do it? How do I do it? So <clears throat> 2017 comes around, and um, that's when we start dating. <laughs> and um, so I'm, I'm dating. I'm dating my fiance, who's now my fiance now. Her dad's weary about it, sick, fasting. I don't know if he's going to die about it. He's got people, he's calling the elders to pray against me. He's, he's literally, and they, this is, 
her mom told the story. Her mom said, we keep praying against him. We don't know whether he's supposed to be with Chelsea or not, but he, the Lord keeps using him. And so they call him. Brother Thomas says, I got a feeling you need to be praying for Chris. I got a feeling this is, this is of God. And so I, I literally, Brother Pierce, I don't know if all y'all know who Brother Pierce is, but he's unbelievable. Her grandpa. He starts praying for me. Sister Pierce starts praying for me. My pastor and his wife are literally, they're praying for me so much, I can literally feel it. It's a, it's a literal like air, like a feeling that I'm getting. I can feel God working on my behalf. And so everywhere I'm going, I'm starting to meet people. And I'm starting to, 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 to do this transition. And, and, and I'm starting to be engaged in discipleship classes. And, and, and my pastor took me to Cincinnati, uh, to Brother Urshan's church. I don't know if anybody in here is familiar with Brother Joel Urshan. But Brother Joel Urshan's church, the Bible study workshop. And there I meet a guy named Fazel Colbert, who's Brother Urshan's main Bible study teacher. And now, every single week, Brother Urshan is, is calling and he's, he's, uh, he's texting me and he's sending me messages. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm here and I'm in this Bible study, discipleship, soul winning stuff. And that's where I am now. That's where I am now. So it's been a long journey. It's been a long ride. Hasn't always been fun. But this is where we are. So I want to take our attention tonight. Matthew 28, 19. Can anybody here quote Matthew 28, 19? Besides y'all. Matthew 28, 19. This is called the great commission. You know, for years I didn't know what a commission was. You know, commission is a mission between two people. Co-mission. It's a mission that we go on with God. It's a mission that we go on with God. That's like a commandment. Not a demandment, but a commandment. God would never ask us to do something that he wouldn't do himself. That's right. He's not going to ask us to fulfill these ten commandments unless he himself comes down and does it himself. Amen? So this is a commission. He would never ask us to go, ye therefore, and teach all nations. If he didn't go, teach all nations. That's right. Okay? He says, go, therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We know what the name is, singular, one name. Acts 4 and 12, neither is there salvation in any other. There's none other name given among men, whereby we must be saved. That name is Jesus. Okay, so he's given us a commission, and it is, listen, go. Go. So, So one thing that I've learned that's helped me and that's, not that I'm, a, I'm above anybody in our church. I'm lower than everybody because I'm the baseboard painter in my church. Literally every baseboard that you see in our church, I painted those baseboards. <laughs> and I'm proud of them. Holy Ghost proud of them. Amen. But I have an understanding that you have to go. Yes. You have to go. Amen. Okay? So I'm going to throw some scriptures out. Right. Acts 1 and 1. Anybody know Acts 1 and 1? The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both, look, do and teach. It, this is a doing thing. Right, yes. This is an action thing. Believe is an action verb. This is a, um, I'm, not, I'm not coming here to, to, to prompt you to sit. I'm coming here to prompt you, no matter what your age, to go. Right. To go and to do. Okay? Nike has a slogan. How, how'd y'all know that? Just do it. Just do it. If you'll begin to just get up and do something, the Lord will use you. Amen. So I want to give you some tips to kind of help you engage in soul winning, help you engage in striking up conversations. One of the first things you need to do, you need to pray. Amen. 
You need to pray. And you need to pray, you know, back in the day, I always heard this. I don't hear it much anymore, but specific prayers. We serve a specific God. We need to pray specific prayers. Like, here's one. God, today, this day, today, I'm available. Help me to see somebody that needs you. Amen. The, you, it, sometimes if you go, Lord, just put them right in my path and let them say, I need the Lord and you're the man. It don't work like that. You need to have eyes to see. Okay? So help me today. Pray. 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 Yes. A constant conversation, a constant walk, a constant relationship, a constant lifestyle with God. Praying. And don't leave out the fasting. Okay? You got to cut off the flesh. Amen. You got you can't walk in the spirit if you're walking carnally minded. Okay? You can't see in the spirit if you ain't seeing in the spirit and you're seeing carnally. Okay? And this is this is important when it comes to being a soul Because you don't want to go around setting up Bible studies and be carnally minded. That's right. That that don't mix. Amen. That don't make right. That's how we say that. When I when I <clears throat> whew, help me Lord. When I think about praying and I think about fasting, I think about not only us, but the Muslims. Boy, we don't like to talk about Muslims. I live in a Muslim community in North Jonesboro. And let me tell you something. When you start praying to be used by God, don't be in shock when he puts you in a position you don't want to be in because you're going to be used by him. That's right. The Lord stuck me in the most dangerous neighborhood of Jonesboro on the north side, in the middle of a Muslim community. I've been kicked out of the mosque twice, literally. If you go to my Facebook and you look on my Facebook, I've got videos where I'm on top of the mosque fixing the roof. Okay? The, the Muslims, they pray five times, the majority, not all. There's some secularized Muslims. They pray five times a day. For real. They, they, I've been in the mosque. I've been in the mosque. And I've seen the Muslims come wrapped in a blanket, naked. Take a prayer rug out, roll it out. Lay down prostrate and pray. Not for five minutes. For over an hour. I've seen where when I walk into that Muslim mosque and, and my friend, I was just there it's been a couple weeks back. Had to take my shoes off. They don't let you in there with your shoes on. Because they believe it's holy. I, I walked in the bathroom one time with my shoes on. They kicked me out. Because that's where they clean themselves. And I did that. I was like, <laughs> I laughed. It wasn't a joke to them. They was ready to fight. <laughs> and I said, Lord, don't, don't let me whoop no Muslims in there today. <laughs> but not only do they pray five times a day, they'll pray anywhere. That's right. That's awesome. Anywhere. Amen. And get in a conversation about God with them and start contradicting their doctrine. And you're fixing to be into a quarrel, my friend. They, when was the last time y'all fasted for a month? Been a little while? Me too. <laughs> they take a month and fast. Yes. To their God. To their false God. Okay? They take a month and fast. Think about that. We're apostolic. We come in here. We dance. We juke. We jive. We, we walk into spiritual territories. We start speaking in the spirit. Yeah. And we forget we go on about our business. Oh. And we forget that prayer and we forget that fasting. We forget that relationship. I, I'm not going to get into that, but I, I have a whole other road I can go on. <clears throat> I know the dedication is what I'm saying. I know their dedication. I see it. Um, I'm friends with several Muslims. I'm going to tell a story about one one time uh, real quick. There was a Muslim man that I witnessed to from Ethiopia. And... My friend and I actually double teamed me. He double teamed me. But um, I began to witness to him, make conversation with him. And, I, and I, I, I found out a lot of people just like for you to ask questions. They want you to be interested in them. 
Right. The Muslims want you to be interested in them because when they're here, they're getting mean faces. Okay. I, I made a conversation with a man from Ethiopia. His name is Abdul Ali. And I said, Ethiopia. I said, you don't like that Ethiopian eunuch. What is that? I said, oh, you don't know nothing about that. Right? <laughs> so I, I, I start talking to him. And come to find out he was an Ethiopian military. He's been shot a couple times. He's back and forth. Well, I make conversation with Abdul Ali, and I bring him a printout my pastor made me of Acts uh, chapter 8, verse 26, through the rest of Acts, where Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Most of you guys know that story. And I bring that to him. I said, here, read this. Come back a couple days later. Comes out, runs around the counter, hugs me. Hugs me. What is this you give me? What is this? Who is this? Who is this Ethiopian eunuch? Who is this man? So I had to tell him. I said, this man, I started telling the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch and how Philip was told by God to arise, go down south, that place which is Gaza, which is desert. And the Spirit of the Lord told him to run up hither to his chariot. And I start telling him the story and I break down that scripture for him. And he goes, I stayed awake. I got off work at 11. I stayed awake until 2.30 in the morning with my wife, wondering what this is. Wondering. What is this? It's so beautiful. I taught him a Bible study. You know what happened? Neither do I. Because he vanished. He left. Nobody knows where he's at. But I have a feeling he found the apostolic church somewhere. Amen. I told him about the apostolic church. <clears throat> so those Muslims are dedicated to this. We have to be dedicated to this. Amen. If you're going to be a soul winner. Amen. If, and if you if you're gonna you won't be a soul winner, you won't be a Christian unless you're a soul winner. Come on. I'm reading a book by Leonard Ravenhill. I talked about it yesterday. It's called Why Revival Terries. And, and Leonard Ravenhill said, Don't call yourself a Christian unless you're praying two hours a day. Don't call yourself a Christian unless you're praying two hours a day. I gotta agree, if the Muslims pray five times a day, the least I could do is two hours a day. Another thing that we need to consider, and I'm, I'm, I'm aware of the time, Brother LaRue, is our time and our effort. Time and our effort. One soul in hell is too many. Amen. We have to have time management. Yes, Lord. Yes. I, 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 I was on top of the mosque and I shot a video on a Friday afternoon of the people. Hundreds on a Friday afternoon. You couldn't go down the street. And I went down and asked one of the guys, I said, how do you guys get to be here on a Friday afternoon? He said, oh, we literally, um, we own businesses or we tell our bosses that we're taking off at this time because this is, this is our religion. This is what we do. They dictate their time around their God. They're in a false religion. They dictate their time around their God Amen. to a false God. Let that sink in. We don't, we don't want to come to church for two hours. I've literally had to, I've, myself, I'm telling on myself, but I've been like, man, this service is going on forever. We dictate, I just, it just boggles me. You know, and, and, and I have this little philosophy that I've come up with. Does anybody know how many hours there are in a week? 168. 168 hours in a week. If we come to church two hours on Wednesday night, two hours on Sunday morning, two hours on Sunday night, praise God, that leaves us with how many hours? 162? Yeah. 162. If I was, do you, you go to the gym, brother? You look like you used to or something. You're kind of big. Uh, if I was to take a dumbbell, I don't know if everybody knows what a dumbbell is, but a weight that is 162 uh, pounds, I cannot curl that weight. It's too much to bear. Come on. Okay, but I can take that little six, six pounds. I can curl it all day long. The weight of the world throughout the week 
is too much. Six hours of church is not enough. That's right. You will never make it being a soul winner on six hours a week. Every day. Every day. Every day. I wake up in the morning. This is who I am. I go to bed at night. This is who I am. Every single day of my life, this is who I am. I'm looking. People are calling me weird because this is who I am. It's who I am. And it's who you got to be if you got the Holy Ghost. This is who you're supposed to be. Amen? We got to be committed. I talked about being committed when the Lord spoke to me in July. We got to be committed. We got to set our face to this. And we got to be consistent. This covers a wide area of things. One of the things uh, in being consistent is having self control. Yeah. Having self control. Uh, I told a story about my friend Franco. Yeah. Oh, I love Franco. I love Franco. Franco is a Hispanic guy that swam the Rio Grande to get here. Uh, literally, while he was swimming the Rio Grande, he saw someone die. What's up, Blake? I didn't see you up there. <laughs> swam the Rio Grande. Franco talks like this. He's very, he's drama. Oh, he's bad drama. I love him with all my heart. He's a Hispanic guy, been everywhere. Been all over Mexico. This guy has got more stories than anybody you've ever heard. I got a call about a guy who's threatening suicide. Chris, can you please go talk to this guy? He's suicidal. He has a couple of suicidal attempts under his belt. Please go talk to him. I went over there with my friend Tim. Y'all met Tim. Tim's a friend of mine who I decided to talk about this. I went over there with my friend Tim and my friend Josh. And we go in there and he's got fajita, uh, tacos cooking. So I'm fine with that. Well, I noticed that he's not wanting to do the Bible study. And the tacos are smelling good, so I ain't really worried about it at first. I'm going to eat these tacos. Well, I'm, I'm trying to find an avenue to get him into this Bible study. So, so I said, okay, Franco, let's do this Bible study. But I want to take this first. I said, no, let's do this Bible study. So, so the Lord laid on my heart to slam repentance. I've only done this one time when I went to somebody's house. That was with that one family. Uh, and, and just start from repentance. I just start preaching repent, everything I know about it. I just start preaching repentance, repentance, repentance. And he's weeping and he's sitting in his chair, rocking, he's gritting his teeth. And he's like, I cannot take it anymore. And he reaches in his packet, he pocket, he pulls out a bag of methamphetamine. And I said, what is that? And Tim said, bro, you know what that is. That's dope. <laughs> Tim runs and flushes it down the sink. So I'm starting again. Franco, you've got to turn towards God. Repentance is turning away from your sin. Turn towards God. Turn, walk in that. And I'm, I'm, I'm helping him and I'm talking to him about it. And I start to talk to him about getting that sin off of him and, and getting baptized in the name of Jesus where he don't have that weight holding it down. And, and he starts weeping again. He says, come with me. And he takes me to his back room and he pulls out bag after bag after bag after bag, thousands of dollars worth of ice crystal meth. And we start flushing, for those of you who maybe don't know what that is, that's a bad drug. Start flushing it down the toilet and flushing it down the toilet. Then I start thinking, I hope this ain't somebody else's stuff. And the cartel's going to come here and shoot me. And, and actually, one of his guys who's a drug dealer who's living with him thought we were FBI because... Craig and Sarah, or Craig, dropped him off in one of their black SUVs dressed in black. And they think we're FBI. He's telling, he's telling Franco we're in on a sting and we're fixing to take him out, you know, and oof, it got bad. But so, anyways, I want to bring my flag. I want to show you something. So, so we end up baptizing Franco in Jesus' name. Franco comes to church. He gets the Holy Ghost, all that stuff. He's actually in a rehab now up in Urbana, Illinois, Lifeline Connect. Bad in the bone rehab. He's up there. So I'm sitting at a Bible study with, with, with Franco, and I'm talking about self-control right now. Self-control. When you're dealing with people, if you're going to teach a Bible study, anybody in here want to teach a Bible study? Maybe Amen. raise a hand. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. There's three. I got three out of 50. <laughs> Any, anybody want to teach? If you're going to teach a Bible study, you have to have self-control. That's right. If you're going to love somebody, you know, that's how you know you're a disciple of Jesus is if you love somebody. If you're going to love somebody, you have to have self-control. That's right. I, I'm sitting in a Bible study with, with Franco, and he says, stop. Was you in there when I did that? Was you there? You weren't there with you. Stop right now. You're scaring me. I said, oh, here we go. He's drama. God, he's drama. I said, what, Franco? What, what's scaring you? 
he said, hold on. He starts flipping through his notes and he's got this notebook and he pulls out this note from 2014 and it says black book, gold trim, flag with many colors. And he said that years ago he was he was sitting in a bad place in a trailer and he looked down and there was a hole in the wall and my Bible was in that wall with my flag that I got from because of the times. And he saw my Bible and my flag. He didn't even know me. He didn't know who I was. The Lord was showing him a vision of what was to come. And now he's speaking in front of hundreds of people up in Urbana, Illinois. You got to have self-control. If whenever he would have cussed me out, if I would have just kicked him out of my truck going down the road, he would never be where he's at. That's right. You got to have self-control. Amen. Amen. We teach what we are, or we teach what we know, but we impart who we are. Right. I can't teach you something I don't know. Right. But I can give you a little bit of who I am. Amen. I can give a little bit of burden to you. I can tell you that there are many with this burden. But you can't do it unless you go. Right. Sitting, sitting wrapped up in a building ain't going to do Come nothing on. for you, friend. Amen. you got to get out of these walls. You don't even know. Maybe the next door neighbor right over here needs the Holy Ghost. I don't know who the neighbor is, but maybe they do. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> you got to love others no matter what their condition. Yes. What do you think this whole book is about? Souls. That's right. What do you think being a Christian, being Christ-like is about? Souls. What do you think the Old Testament's about? Souls. Yes. What do you think the New Testament's about? Souls. Calvary. Souls. The day of Pentecost. Souls. Acts. Souls. Acts 2. Souls. Acts 8. Souls. Acts 10. House of Cornelius. Peter. Seeing the vision of the sheep let down by all four corners. What do you think that's about? Souls. Acts 19. While Paul's on the upper coast of Ephesus comes across certain disciples. Souls. Souls. Right. Souls. The Ethiopian eunuch was about souls. You got to have a burden for this. Amen. If you don't have a burden for this, something has to, you have to do something. Something has to switch in your mind. Come on, you may need to lock yourself in a room or something. You got to get a burden for souls. Do you, my God, do you really want to, do you think you want to stand before this holy God next to a Muslim? Come on, brother. That prays five times a day. And you don't pray. And you don't fast. And you don't even know what the name of Jesus means. I didn't know what the name of Jesus meant in 2013 until I went to Brother Seagrave's seminar. And he asked me, what's your name mean? I said, Chris Taylor. I don't know what my name means. My name means bearer of Christ. I didn't even know I was a bearer of Christ until he asked me what my name meant. He said, what does the name Jesus mean? And I thought... What's his name mean? I don't even know. I didn't even know. I didn't know. I went through all those Bible studies. Never knew what the name even meant. Well, we ought to know what it means. Jehovah salvation. Because that's who we are. Apostolic. We should know Jehovah salvation. But we don't want to stand before God being apostolic, being handed this precious truth next to somebody. And they outdo us. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Scares me half to death. That scared me and I ain't scared of nothing. Got to have a burden. Come on, somebody. You got to have a burden. You need a burden. You don't have a burden for the lost. What are you even doing? What am I doing if I don't have a burden for the lost? I'm sure I'm going to come in here and talk about it. Yes, Lord. Soul winning is not a ministry. It's the ministry. Yeah. It's the only ministry. There is, I don't have a ministry. It's his ministry. And his ministry is souls. Souls. You got to understand that if this gospel is true, it means that every other gospel is a lie. Until you believe that every other gospel is a lie, you don't believe this gospel is truth. You got to know there's one God. Yes. His name is Jesus. Yes. You got to know you're baptized in His name. Because there is no other name. The only name that brings salvation is Jesus. That's yes. it. 
And you must be filled with the Holy Ghost. Peter said you must be filled with it. You got to. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? And he commanded. It's a commandment. He, Peter wouldn't have asked them to do something he didn't do himself. He commanded it. Almost right is always wrong. It's hard. Am I okay on time? It, it's, it's, it's hard when uh, in, in my city, I stopped counting Baptist churches. Now, I'm not knocking the Baptists because one of my best friends is a Baptist preacher. Uh, I'm not knocking Baptist, But I, I stopped counting at 42 in Jonesboro. Baptist. I'm not going to get into the Methodist, the Episcopalian, the Catholic, the Presbyterian, the Lutheran. All oh, there's a church on every single corner. And I found that if you start door knocking, I got a church. I got a church. I got a church. But you know what they don't have is a Bible study. That's right. They don't have a Bible study. And they don't have a burden. And they don't have a preacher with a burden. That's right. Because if they had a preacher with a burden, they'd be in our church. Yes. Or they'd, they'd be closet tongue talking. Okay? Amen. Almost right is always wrong. Amen. We say we love the truth, but do we? Does anybody know why Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed? All you theologians. Anybody know? Everybody thinks it was for immorality. And ultimately it was. It came to that. The main reason Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed is because the Bible says they helped not the needy and the poor. They took in the blessings of God. Oh, yeah, there we go. They took it in. They knew about it. They knew about the one God. They knew about Jehovah. But they closed up their fists and they white knuckled it. And they would not release it. They became stagnant like a pond. They weren't like a river, it was like a pond. They became stagnant. And that's what happens when you don't share this. That's right. You won't ride the storm out. You'll ride the pew out. You've got to give it. You've got to give it away. Don't hold it in for yourself. You need it yourself, but give it to somebody else. Yes, amen. That's good. It's easy to reach people. It's easy to reach people. They're everywhere. All you got to do is ask them questions. If you can't go anywhere, get on the phone. If you ain't got a phone, ask to borrow somebody's. It's easy to reach people. My friend Tim, (laughs) a couple people a day, and he ain't even trying. I promise. And he he has the personality of a turtle. (laughs) And he can reach more. He's taught more Bible studies than our entire ministry staff combined. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. That's Chelsea. He's had two Church of Christ pastors in our church teaching them Bible studies. One of them started trying to debate him. The other one thought it would be a good idea to bring four of his church members. And two of them dropped their face down on our Bible study table weeping. Tim, my friend T, has been in church three years. The only scripture he knows is Acts 2.38. And he can't quote it right. (laughs) Hey, I guarantee you one thing. He don't play about it though. He don't play about it. He, he, he gives people to ride. He gave, I had to set it up tonight. He's giving people rides to church every time he can. Goes into some rough places. You've got to get serious about this stuff. Amen. Millions of Pentecostals are comfortable with just going to church and yeah. letting their city go to hell. I'm not. I, I can't stand it. Amen. I can't stand the fact that my city's blood will be on my hands because I know it's true. If you don't release it, May God have mercy on you. This is about souls. And God loved the world so much. He was willing to pay a price we don't want to pay. All for souls. And and sometimes I've done it. I wouldn't be up here speaking about it if I hadn't done it myself. You can get into this lackadaisical state where you're just, it's just the mundane and you forget that it's all about souls. I guarantee you demons don't forget because right. they're after your soul. Uh-huh. And if you don't understand that it's about souls, they got you. It's not that everybody's bad or lazy. It's just that a lot of people are unlearned. And I, I, and I know that God will equip you, but some of them are unequipped to do this. Here's the thing. God will equip you. 
Keep in mind, it's the great commission. He will go with you. It may take something like this. You have to put yourself in a position you don't want to be in. Okay? 